Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Content and Caffeine. Very glad you could join me. This week I was joined on a podcast by Courtney Beasley, who is the VP of Marketing at Walker Sands. Walker Sands, if you haven't already heard of them, is a PR agency, a branding agency, and an all-round digital marketing agency specializing in helping B2B companies. I was really excited to have Walker Sands on the show, uh, and I spoke to Courtney about a whole bunch of things, including their recent rebranding, how they navigated that, uh, what kind of content has been working for them in 2019, how their content strategy is gonna change in 2020. We spoke about social media, and also spoke to her about um, how they produce content in line with all the different services they offer. They've got so many services. If you look on the website, you'll see what I'm talking about. So um, I asked her how they navigate that particular issue, creating content in a way that doesn't overwhelm, creating content that's relevant to each person, to each service, rather than sort of all-in-one content. As always, this episode is brought to you by Wordify, the content marketing agency for SaaS and software companies. I will let you jump into this one, guys, and I'll speak to you very, very soon. Enjoy. Courtney, thanks very much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So as usual, we start with a coffee question. So what's your favorite coffee if you have one? And where in Chicago is your favorite place to have a coffee? Because I know you're calling in from Chicago, right? Yeah, I am. So, you know what? Uh, interestingly enough, I'm a bit of a novice to the coffee space. Uh, okay. Caffeine affects me very strongly, <laughs> okay. um, which being in the industry world it is is rare. Um, it's rare that you don't. It is rare. Like seven it is rare. Yeah. Does it give <laughs> uh, you like does it give you like jitters or like anxiety? It totally ruins my day. It's so funny. Like my team really? knows when I've had coffee, they're like, "Oh God, she's not going to feel well." Today. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, like, no like speeds up my heart rate. It's, uh, makes me really? super jittery. It gives me like, it gets me very anxious. Um, okay. yeah, too much caffeine is not a good thing for me, but what I can do, um, what I've been really into recently are, uh, decaf espresso lattes, which have okay. just enough caffeine in them for me to kind of feel a little bit of the effects. Um, yeah. milk has really been working for me in those. These really? Days. Yeah. Very, very cool. I switched to coconut milk about, um, what, oh. a year ago and yeah. I love it now like I, I wouldn't even go back to normal milk because you know no. I have I have like a lactose sensitivity but we won't get we won't get into that <laughs> but um <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned though that the decaf stuff because there is a little bit of caffeine in it so there if is. anybody does have caffeine like sensitivity maybe a decaf every now and again would help because it does have a little bit in there that gives it you does. a little bit of a kick yeah you're right I, just, very, I very actually cool. had one this morning yeah and it was nice because it was a little bit and I love the flavor especially mm-hmm. I mean I really do enjoy it with an oat milk and mm-hmm. um yeah they're doing lots of oat milk, oat milk lattes around us these days so they I want to be trendy too so yeah <laughs> it's all about the alternative milk isn't it that's what it's all about right now if you're not drinking alternative milk you're not cool in my eyes sorry no, guys definitely not <laughs> <laughs> okay let's let's jump into um today's episode so walker sands uh, for anybody who is unfamiliar with walker sands why don't you give us a quick breakdown of, of what you guys do yeah, absolutely would love to so we are a b2b marketing agency. We focus on accelerating growth of BB brands. Um, and we do that through a variety of core capabilities. So we uh, offer public relations, demand generation, um, marketing strategy, branding, creative work, uh, and web work. So that's mm-hmm. kind of our, our core capabilities. And we do that mostly for B2B uh, and specifically in the tech industry, but we do a lot with professional services as well. Um, so even though we're headquartered here in Chicago, we've got offices in San Francisco and Seattle. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of the gist. <laughs> okay, and uh, and your role at the company is? Yeah, so I play kind of a unique role for anybody uh, familiar with the um, 
agency world. So I am our VP of marketing. And what that means is I actually oversee all of the marketing and growth strategies for the agency itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, I started here uh, about a little over seven years ago. And originally was brought on to do outbound cold call sales, uh, which at the time we did not have the brand exposure that we do today. So it was kind of difficult. People were kind of like, why is an agency calling me? Like I have an agency, like this is weird. It wasn't really something agencies did, right? It was, it was totally out of the norm. Um, so it, it wasn't very well received and I was very lucky that, uh, Mike, who's our president and Ken um, and Ellen, the, the owners and founders, uh, saw enough value in what I was trying to do to kind of give me another shot and pivot my role. So we mm-hmm. ended up uh, creating a, a new role in a new department actually within the organization, which was focusing on corporate marketing, basically, and growing the company itself. Um, so here we are, a little over seven years later, and I've got a full team now, and we're, we're totally dedicated just to the growth of the agency. Awesome. That's, that's crazy. I, I didn't realize you'd been there for seven years, which is a yeah. very long time. Uh, what, what, in that time, what do you think has changed in terms, let's just focus on digital marketing in general right now sure. before we jump into content marketing, but what's changed for you in seven years? What do you see that's changed like in, in the industry, you know, B2B marketing in general, and then, you know, maybe what's changed in Walker Sands as a company itself to, to, to respond to that as well? Absolutely. I think so much has changed and it's almost easiest for me to talk about it in the evolution of Walker Sands because of, you know, that's kind of my, my first hand experience and, yeah. and how we have kind of worked to stay ahead of the curve while also riding a wave of what um, the buyers in the market are actually interested in purchasing. So when I came to Walker Sands, uh, back in 2012, we very much saw ourselves as a PR agency. Um, but really, when it came down to it, if you got into the behind the scenes, we were willing to do anything that it took to grow businesses. Mm-hmm. So if that meant, you know, figuring out how to optimize press releases with keywords so that they were showing up in search results or uh, developing websites so that they, you know, were generating leads for the business. We basically wanted to help them either reach whatever their goals may be. So from an acquisition to IPO to just high growth, um, we really kind of put in the strategy to help build them. Uh, but we were, you know, at, at the front facing a PR agency. And that at the time was very much what the industry was uh, receptive to. So if you offered all of the services, people were like, what? no, you can't do that. Like you can't be a PR agency and also be good at, at uh, websites or um, digital marketing. Uh, and really at the time, digital marketing, I think expanded to like email marketing. Like it definitely mm-hmm. didn't encapsulate everything that, uh, especially Google uh, has, has come to um, kind of expand the offerings to, to be a surrounded by so um yeah so we basically uh you know had all of these offerings and in order to explain those as well as possible we in about 2013 maybe early 2014 we ended up splitting off the the websites actually and we made two different entities there was walker sands and walker sands digital and that's really around the time where we started to see some pretty substantial growth because people then understood what they could come to us for it's like oh okay i am purchasing or, oh, okay, I'm purchasing, um, you know, digital services. Again, at the time, those were kind of nebulous to people. It was basically, I know I have these goals. How how can you help me achieve them? Um, And then you kind of fast forward over the last couple of years, and you really started to see organizations just saying, you know, look, again, you know, 
these are my goals and what is it that I need to do? And it doesn't really matter what the combination of those services may look like. You know, what is it that I need to do in order to reach those goals or surpass them or whatever it is? Um, within that, we've really seen the change then back to people wanting um, agencies with multiple capabilities, kind of a one-stop shop. So they know even if they're not utilizing all of our services, they know we have the know-how to do those things. So we're thinking about things strategically from you know, strategy to execution. Very, very interesting. And I wasn't aware, actually, that you guys had a separate website for, um, you know, your, your digital services of walkersandsdigital.com. I'm just having a look at it now. Very, very don't interesting. Don't go there. <laughs> no? Should I not? <laughs> I it... shouldn't have even mentioned it. Well, because we're actually getting ready to sunset it. So, uh, okay. We actually just rebranded the company entirely mm -hmm. as of September 9th. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're a little under a month um, rebranding a 20-year-old professional services company. And so we are going to be sunsetting that site and kind of absorbing everything back under the main Walker Sands umbrella. So right mm -hmm. now it's actually technically out of brand, um, which is a marketer's nightmare. But, yeah. it, <laughs> but it's interesting because I was going to say that as well. It kind of looks like you are absorbing it and you obviously are. I mean, into the, the main Walker Sands website, you've seen, I've got like, you know, capabilities here and it leads me on to my to my next question which is when you've got such a broad range of services like you guys have uh, and you know for our audience um a lot of the time i work with SaaS companies and software companies who have um like a, a family of products right they don't just have one product they've got you know an internet product they've got an e-commerce product they've got you know this product the product to look after your pet whatever it may be and they get sort of overwhelmed with you know communicating that to the end user whoever it may be um, without sounding, you know, without, without coming on too strong, without sort of saying, hey, we've got these billion things that we do and without coming across as a, a jack of all trades kind of thing. Totally. How, how, how have you guys got around that? I mean, obviously you guys are still tinkering with that and experimenting, obviously, with the, the digital stuff and sunsetting that. But just give me some insights into, you know, the, the, the thinking that, that's gone behind, you know, the, you know, how you guys have managed that process. Yeah, no, it's a really great question. And you're right, it's very difficult because you more or less have to approach it in a way that um, it's almost siloed based on audience. So it is something that we're constantly constantly working on on our end because we realize it's never a one and done situation. It has to be very mm -hmm. iterative, especially based on how quickly our market changes. I mean, digital marketing, there's stuff happening all the time. So we do offer, you know, all those um, digital services still, but what we do is basically identify the individual audiences and the individual pain points that are happening for each of those spaces. So based on how people discover us, so um, typically in you know the agency world, uh, you know new businesses coming in through referrals or people who have gone on to work at other companies and have worked with um, the agency in the past. We're very lucky at Walker Sands that the majority of our new business is coming in through our inbound and outbound activities, as mm -hmm. well as our, our you know our referral programs are very strong as well. Um, the people are able to search and sort through what it is that they're interested in. So really my goal is to provide enough content and provide enough value so that somebody is able to discover us in the way that they are, are looking for us, right? Like show up where they are, not necessarily make them show up where we are, um, and try to insert ourselves into the conversations that they're having by using the lingo and, and you know, the terminology and really discussing and uh, honing in on the pain points for individual areas. So for example, that could be very different 
different for people looking for PR versus somebody looking to build a website or somebody looking for demand gen. A lot of times we're talking to different titles there too. So my recommendation for companies is to truly understand the audience and what it is that you're selling, what those pain points are for those individual product or service lines, and just start addressing content in those ways. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need PR, I'm looking to um, generate leads, you say, cool, yeah, PR can certainly help with that, but we might actually have some other ways we can help you too. We should talk a little bit more about our demand gen services. So you get them in the door based on what it is that they think they're interested in, and then if there's a way to add value um, and pivot the conversation in a way that is truly going to be successful for them, then that's really how we've um, grown our other areas. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And you also mentioned there that, you know, you guys are, you know, seeing some uh, business come through like inbound activities. So what kind of inbound activities are you doing uh, and what's been working for you guys in 2019? And what's worked for us in 2019? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, great question. Um, so we do a really solid mix of uh, sorry. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what you're here for, right? Um, yeah. so we do a really solid mix of inbound and outbound activities. Our inbound stuff is all really based on our website and we have some really strong paper I mean depending on who you're talking to inbounds can be or paid can be inbound or outbound a lot of these mm -hmm. things can but we'll kind of talk about it as we do um, so our, our really strong inbound stuff is truly the content that we produce and, and put on our site uh, and that is service and industry related so and we all also have a really strong SEO performing website given we were founded by a computer scientist basically by trade from the very okay. beginning of time we have always had a really well-performing website because of his SEO strategies. And since I've, you know, continued to kind of take those over and of course having all of the individuals internally that I, I do helping to support those initiatives, we have a very high performing website. Um, so when people are out searching for things, uh, a lot of times we're showing up and we know how to show up in those particular searches uh, because we do, we apply a lot of what we do for our clients to ourselves because it's fantastic and it's why we've learned as much as we have. Of course. Um, but uh, okay, what was my answer? <laughs> um, the kind of inbound activities that are working work. for you guys. Yeah. What work? Okay. Um, we're back. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> our SEO, our SEO works really, really well. So the other stuff that I was starting to mention are uh, our service and our industry-based content. So if you go to our website, mm -hmm. you'll see uh, we've got under clients. It drops down into a variety of client industries that we focus in okay. each of those individual landing pages you go to it's hyper focused on one of our practice areas that we have subject matter experts we have individuals here internally who truly are experts in those areas experts in creating marketing strategy and uh, having relationships with the media um, you know investor relations internal relations like we have relationships in those particular areas um, mm -hmm. that have helped us to identify those as strong practice um, like practices for us to focus on yeah. so what we've done is we've created what I call internally industry hubs so they are a one-stop shop for people who are in the fintech industry for example to come to and say you know I need marketing strategy what is it that they can do for me? And there's some information on there. It's, and it's, it's very high level. Of course, if they want to get more um, information, we want to get them to the right people on the team to yeah. have very specific targeted conversations. So as the page flows, you can see a little bit about the clients that we work with, um, some of the case study work that we've actually done for those particular clients. Um, 
ways that we actually service the industry, some of our know-how within the industry areas that we specifically focus in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get to the bottom and there's a form. There's a <coughs> form with a, a real person on it who's actually the leader of that practice area at the company uh, so that when you do start to make that interaction, you know exactly who it is that you're gonna be talking to. Absolutely. Um, so that content works really well for us, as well as our, our um, are created proprietary resources. So we do a lot in from an outbound slash inbound perspective when it comes to creating reports. I think this year we made, uh, well, we did our, we did three data reports and we did two or three uh, just actual white papers that have all been really well performing. So this was a big content year for us, okay. uh, but we get a ton of data downloads and then we of course create then outbound programs around those that include emails and events and other things to nurture those prospects as they're working through the funnel um, or just working through their journey of understanding who Walker Sands is and how we may be able to support them. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I feel like I'm running on. So No, this is perfect. This is, is exactly anything? what, Great. <laughs> no, this, is, this is perfect. And you know, I want to sort of um, just give my own sort of two cents on Please. how you guys have approached um you know, the, um, the client section of your website. So anybody listening, if you do head over to walkersands.com, you'll see under, underneath the, as Courtney mentioned, underneath the clients uh, tab, uh, they've got these, uh, these um, industry hubs, I believe you refer to them as Courtney. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, this is how you write a landing page, guys. Okay, it's niche down uh, to the specific industry. And it's just, you know, all the copy, I've just, I've just sort of skimmed for it. And it's just very, you know, targeted towards that specific industry. And this links back to what I was saying earlier, when it comes to, if you have a lot of services and a lot of products to offer, you can talk about that too, which you've done under capabilities. But if you really want to get more granular with it, you should think about who you're actually targeting with, with, those, with those products, the, the, the actual industries, and then write landing pages and content for those specific industries. And then you, know, you can link back to, by the way, here's how, we could, here's how we serve people in your industry with these products or these services. And basically, if you have a look at walkersands.com on these, on these landing pages, this is a perfect execution of, of, of doing that. Perfect execution of the design as well. Very simple, very easy to read. And then, yeah, the, the, the content form at the bottom is, um, is obviously the, where the money happens. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's just, it's just a, a very, very well executed. And, it, and it, it, it looks so simple, but I, I know firsthand that it's not simple to get it right. Yeah. To sort of, um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, I, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I sincerely, no, I, I really appreciate that. These, uh, these were kind of a brainchild that we came up with a few years ago, and I will tell you they have brought in a significant amount of opportunity dollar, I think exactly because of that, because it is identifying those individual areas, and it mm -hmm. talks about the services that relate specifically to them. Um, and then, of course, we have a great UX team internally, so. <laughs> yeah, they've done a good job, too. The they've done a good job, yeah. <laughs> awesome. uh, you, you, you mentioned SEO as well, so. Is, um, is your blog driving that or is it the landing page is driving that uh, or is it both? It's both. Um, so we, uh, we have a full SEO team in house, a brilliant specialist that help us to build out these pages. Actually, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny you say that because uh, when you talk about these pages specifically, when we were rebranding the company, um, which literally just launched, like I said, less than a month ago, we went through the whole process. These pages were my number one priority from the beginning because I knew mm -hmm. how well they were working. And I also knew that we needed to tell more of a holistic story on them because they tended to, to kind of lean a little bit more PR focused um, mm -hmm. as of you know even two months ago that they were really much more just PR focused and we wanted people to realize that you know we really can help you in all of these different ways um, 
So these were pages that we started talking about back in April uh, when I said, okay, guys, we need to build these out. We need to make sure we're not, you know, losing any traffic to them. What terms should we be ranking for? How should they be used within the copy so that it's very natural? You know, we want people to be able to come to these pages and look at something. We don't want them to think that they're sitting there reading a ton of SEO crap that we're just trying to put yeah. in their face because it's not true. Like we want them, we want to first provide value. Um, so, you know, I, I think that we you know, work through that in a lot of ways, but you're right. I mean, these types of things definitely take time. They take the right minds. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially from an SEO perspective, yeah, you've, got, you've got to get that right. But um, to go back to the original question, yes, uh, our site optimizes really well for SEO just because of that ingrained knowledge that we have in this space. I was very lucky that when I started off here, um, we didn't really have all of those resources internally for me to rely on to help build out those strategies. So yeah. I actually have a little bit of SEO experience myself. So if we are building out a page and we are a post and we know specifically uh, what it's going to focus on and, and what we're trying to rank for in it, my team is very well equipped to also go in and just say like, okay, what terms should show up? And if we don't have the ability to do that, or you know, if we've got somebody new on the team, Team, we always have the SEO team who can help us do those things. But absolutely, I mean, SEO is huge when you have an organization that stands to generate a lot of business um, or at least a lot of uh, you know, conversions from your website. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And uh, listeners, if you if you are interested in learning uh, more about SEO and how to get you know your website more SEO optimized, a bit like Walker Sands, um, our previous episode, I believe it was number nineteen, was all about SEO. So head over there and check that out. But back to this episode, um, <laughs> um, your content marketing strategy in 2020, is it going to stay the same? Have you identified places you can improve or change or add? What, what's, the th what's the thinking? Yeah, so I am just getting into those phases of kind of figuring out what it's going to look like for us in, in 2020. Um, we, a lot of people internally are like, stay the course, stay the course. Like everything yeah. is working really great. Um, mm -hmm. We though, I mean, in a lot of ways, our business has changed. And, uh, you know, the way that we're servicing clients, the way that we are bringing people on, the way that the market is searching for uh, marketing support and what they're really looking for. I think people want to be able to rely on agencies for marketing strategy but they don't necessarily trust that they're able to do it. And a lot of times we're seen as a tactical shop or somebody they come to us for creative or something like that. And, and I shouldn't say a lot of times because it's very rare, but um, I want people to, you know, to be able to realize that from strategy to execution, we can be a true partner. Uh, and so I, I think there is going to be a bit of a change in that. And I think it's going to start with actually going back to the top and looking at the audience and saying, again, you know, what are their pain points? Are we addressing them? Do we have the right content? Um, do we, you know, have the right, uh, the right structure for them to, to be finding this stuff, uh, the right programs that we're actually sending out. I mean, this year we did a lot, like I said, around content and it feels like towards the end of the year, we're at a little bit of fatigue, um, that we're, you know, kind of talking to the same people over and over again. And I think we will need to kind of relook at that strategy and, uh, and really focus, uh, but the things that will remain the same will be the content that we're creating around our individual practice areas. So we do uh, a really great report every year called the future of retail. Um, that is downloaded by you name the retailer they are typically downloading it um, which is a really great piece for us to garner some attention and then we do a state of marketing technology um, report as well and then we also this year for the first time did a future of content report uh, that also performed incredibly well. It opened up some great uh, relationship opportunities for us. Uh, so we'll probably redo that one. 
And I've also okay. heard from the teams uh, who are really taking some ownership in their own practices. And we've got, you know, some people who have grown up with the agency and they know the capabilities of our internal team. And they're now tapping us and saying, hey, guys, we should create like a website report and we should create, you know, a state of the industry and PR report and those kind of things. So I'm not sure if 2020 is totally going to be the year for that for us, uh, but they are things that are on the radar. Very, very cool. I'll check out those reports. Those reports sound very cool. Um, what's next on my list here? Okay, so that's it. Yeah, recently I wrote something for CMSY and I've been trying to sort of talk to more marketers and, um, you know, CMOs and everybody involved in the whole marketing process uh, because it seems to be something that is cropping up in conversations I have but isn't necessarily showing in the numbers. So basically what it is is social media and the health of social media from a, from a marketing perspective, right? Mm. So the, the piece was, it's not published yet, but it will be published soon. The piece was called, Is Social Media Dying? And mm. basically it's to do with the fact that a lot of marketers I speak to are growing dis disillusioned with social media as a place to brand themselves, as a place, as a place to sort of uh, just be and, and spend time and money. Uh, maybe not money, but the time, because obviously advertising mm. is still hugely lucrative, but in a sense of just sort of being involved in conversations and this kind of thing. Uh, and they, they attribute that to, you know, the organic reach dying, algorithms changing, the issue of, you know, politics sort of ruling social media right now, fake news, fake, fake news, <laughs> you know, you know, that you know how it goes. Um, and it just seems like, you know, social media is becoming more negative than positive these days. And brands are sort of, you know, they're looking at their click through rates and they're seeing that going down as well. And they're just wondering, is it somewhere we that we should you know put more effort into to get more back or is it somewhere we should actually you know pull back on and just you know spend on a facebook ads maybe and you know spend yeah. our time elsewhere what do you sure. think what are your thoughts on this yeah it's a really great question it's something i've thought about in the past as well um i mean especially like you said with the state of where just news is today and how negative mm -hmm. it does seem to be every time that you get on a social media platform i do think from um an organic standpoint, social media is still absolutely critical, especially if you're trying to sell a product or service, right? If mm -hmm. you, uh, to me, it's a, it's a third party credibility point that you own. So as a marketer, I absolutely want my Instagram, my Facebook, my, so the, the four platforms we go after are Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. And it does, it takes so much time. And when you're running a small team, it's, it really can be um, distracting in a lot of ways, you know, to have to kind of communicate differently on all different platforms and make sure that the right content is on each place and, and whatever else. But for us, the reason it's so important is because it does give that credibility in a way that we're not always able to just give if somebody just comes to the website. I mean, granted, if somebody already trusts us and is like, cool, I want to go check out their work, like they sound like a cool company, then like if there's a ton of credibility there, right? Like then you can kind of live within that online ecosystem. But if you're just, I mean, think about it even just from a consumer standpoint. If you're trying to go to a new restaurant, you're visiting a new city and you've never, you know, been there and you're not really sure the landscape and whatever else, like, yeah, you can find some things on Yelp, but if you're anything like me, you're probably also checking to make sure that they have a Facebook or you're looking at their Instagram yeah. to see if they have like photos of food, um, or depending on, you know, the, your platform of poison, um, <laughs> yeah. you said, uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're wanting to engage with them in another way. Um, so to me, that's why we must, even in the B2B space, because if you think about it, a buyer is a buyer. It doesn't matter who you are, you're a person and your buying mm -hmm. habits and patterns are very similar regardless if you're picking where to get your fried chicken for dinner or if you're, you know, trying to actually purchase some type of a, a solution, um, which in a lot of cases, 
choosing solutions and buying a B2B, like buying in B2B is a lot more even emotional than buying in B2C because it's a yeah. bigger like it's a bigger thing, right? Like your job's online in some instances, if you're buying yeah. like big technology that, you know, you've got to bring in and integrate and do it well and make sure you're making a good choice. Or if you're, you know, a, a marketer and you need to hire an agency and you want it to be the right choice, that's a very emotional thing for people to do. So social media to me allows for not only third-party credibility, but, um, almost the, that emotional piece because we use a lot of our, uh, our, our culture related content on our social mm -hmm. media platforms too. So when you're buying a service, especially professional services, um, you want to know who you're buying from. You want to know that they're people and you can like look at these pages all day and we can infuse our people and our culture into our stuff is in ways that we do. Um, but you know, you're not going to be able to get that interaction like you do on social. So that's from an organic standpoint, um, mm -hmm. from a paid perspective, I do think that there is still a lot of good that can be done as long as you're adding to the conversation in a positive way and that you're not burning out your audience. Um, so as long as you're making sure that the things that you're sending them are pointed and they make sense and it's for a short period of time. I mean, if people have seen your ad a hundred times they haven't clicked on it they're just going to get annoyed with you so yeah. make sure that the cadence is down to a point and you know this is something we're always working on for ourselves internally because of the fact you know of being internal um we can only utilize the resources that are available to us but if you're coming and you're, you know you're paying for an agency to do that work with your agency to make sure that like the cadence is set right that you have new ads every couple of months that are fresh and talk about something different or maybe in a different part of your buyer process so that you're hitting a different audience um, there's still a lot of good I think that can happen uh, that does need to happen from a social media perspective just as we're modern companies social media is gonna I think stick around for a while yeah there's no doubt about it and um... I mean, I think uh, you touched on it a couple of times there and like showing personality and, you know, sort of carving out your own niche in social media, you know, because social media is a platform and it's not something yeah. that you should be necessarily trapped in by, if that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, and I think, it you know, I, I've just searched you guys on Instagram and I've just followed you and I can see what you mean by, <laughs> no problem. I can see what you mean by, you know, showing the personality of the brand and showing, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And this is something actually... Uh, we tell our clients all the time to do this on Instagram and, and even elsewhere as well on social media because it, it actually it's an opportunity for your brand to change the narrative of social media. You know, if it isn't, if it is negative, if it is, if there is too much fake news or too much politics or too much bullying or cyber bullying, whatever you want to call it, maybe your brand could be something that's, you know, a positive influence on someone's uh, on timeline, you know, and, you know, I can see you guys are, sh are sharing like pictures from, you know, business trips and, you know, all this, all this kind of, all this kind of stuff and just like very fun and, and, you know, personality, basically you're showing, you know, who's actually working for Sands, who are the faces behind the brand, who exactly. are the people you're going to actually do work with. Because as you said, again, B2B is actually potentially more emotional to B2C. It probably is more emotional because you are at the end of the day, even though it's, you know, business to business, it's still mm -hmm. business to, to people. I mean, it's still a business still made up of people. Oh, absolutely. Right? So you have to make those connections in order to make the sale. There's no other way around it. I mean, a, you never, you never talk to a logo and decide that you're going to, you know, make a, make a, you know, hundred thousand exactly. dollar uh, contract agreement. You know, it doesn't happen like totally. that. Who's Not behind a logo? Who's driving it? Who am I, who's my main point of contact? That's those connections, those emotional connections and human connections is what, you know, drives a business forward, a B2B business forward. So yeah, I totally agree with you that, you know, social media can, can be somewhere that you can actually show some personality uh, and be positive. Even if it is a negative space, you can actually control that yourselves. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I think, again, you guys have done a very good job on that on Instagram. So 
I commend you for that. It's something that I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, instill in my company as well. So uh, watch out for that. It is hard. It is hard, but um, I I do, I do also see that the benefits of it and um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I totally agree with you that it's important. Okay. Um, Courtney, are you ready for our quick fire round? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. First question is what's your favorite social network right now? Ironically. (laughs) transition um instagram it is instagram um i like the fact that you can share uh moments they're like i don't know it's something about the way that you can kind of just share individual moments um yeah i don't know that instagram i think is my favorite right now Okay. Are you guys using stories much by the way, or is it just like the feed stuff? You You know, it's interesting that you say that we're not um, using stories yet, but we, with the rebrand, we have rewritten the strategy and we Mm -hmm. are planning on opening up some stories. Yeah. Which we're excited about because that gives you a little bit more of the more instantaneous, like micro moments. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Okay. Next question is whose content do you consume the most right now? So that could be another company's content. It could be an author, podcaster, someone on Instagram, whoever it may be. Oh gosh. That is such a great question. Who, whose content do I consume the most of right now <laughs> outside of our own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's cheating, Courtney. You can't say yourself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, let me think about this. So I would say, this is going to sound really terrible, but the Today Show. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that's, no, that's like a- that's fine. That, that, if that's the first thing that came to your mind, then those guys are doing a great job of, of marketing and branding, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of weird. They it, they definitely follow me. They're definitely retargeting me. <laughs> but no, I it, in the morning when I wake up, like that's the station that I turn on and it's the mm-hmm. thing that I will, I'll get like the quick hits. Like they do, you know, of course, you know, morning news is always people kind of say it's not as serious. So you don't get everything. Yeah. That you need. yeah. Um, but what I will say is that it does set me up with at least the tidbits that I need to know for the day that I can mm-hmm. then go and consume elsewhere. If I need to learn a little bit more about what's actually happening. So it's usually the platform that at least sets me in the direction and then I'll do some self-discovery elsewhere just by Googling headlines and trying to figure out what's actually going on in the world. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Final question. Uh, what is your one tip for content marketers today? Oh, uh, my one tip. Okay. My one tip is, um, don't set it and forget it. I uh, I think uh, that we have gotten into a place that it's become very easy to, uh, set up your programs or nurture or engagement, depending on your marketing automation platform or whatever it is that you're doing and just say like, okay, cool. That piece of content was really great. Let's move on. Um, I think we overlook the opportunity to repurpose, uh, the opportunity to re-engage an audience or to talk to a different audience, even with the same piece of content. Um, so I guess kind of, uh, a one, uh, a 1.2 version would be, mm-hmm. it's, you know, don't set it and forget it. And also repurpose, like just figure out what you can do with the resources that you've already, uh, you know, create used to create um and and just repurpose (laughs) i love that because i'm like i'm I'm on like a content repurposing like um rampage right now it's what i'm I'm telling my clients the same thing and i'm I'm writing about it on cms wire it's such an uh, underestimated strategy right because 
we're, we're creating so much content every month, every year for, for, you know, whichever brand it may be. And then Absolutely. it's all like, okay, oh, we'll publish that blog post. Now what's next? And then, but you know, that blog, that blog post or that white paper can go so, so much further, you know, you can break it down or, or even a podcast. So this podcast, you know, I'm, I'm planning to repurpose this in a number of different ways, break right. it down into social media, break it down to blog posts um, in different ways. Uh, you can combine them later on to make a white paper. So yeah, the, the, um, the, um, the strategy of, uh, repurposing content is something that I think more brands need to yeah. sort of get behind and, and start implementing because not only does it sort of save money as well in the, in the long run, because you're sort of reusing your the existing assets instead of duplicating them, but it's also Absolutely. just a great way to just have, um, you know, content that's more efficient rather than just sort of like, you know, post it once and forget about it and never come back to it. So yeah, Absolutely. very, very nice. We have, we have tools and resources in our, our resources section on our site that literally I created in like 2013 and they just, mm -hmm. they still stick, they still work. And there are things yeah. that sometimes we have to remind ourselves like, oh yeah, we have that content campaign planner. That thing's really cool. It's like an interactive uh, mm -hmm. spreadsheet, you know, whatever. And we just like have to remind ourselves like these things exist within what we already have. Let's not try to reinvent the wheel. Let's look at what has worked for us in the past and try to make the most of that. Because like you said, I mean, everyone just keeps creating and there's no way anybody's ever going to read it all. So if you've got something yeah. that's working for you, do what you need to do to just refresh it, reskin it, put a new design on it, yeah. change you know, the title, not to say like, you know, like trick somebody by just changing the title <laughs> yeah. or, something yeah, or the course. design, but you know, I mean, refresh it and, and introduce it to a new and different audience and Absolutely. you'll be surprised with what you can get. Absolutely. And from an SEO perspective as well. I mean, if you wrote something in 2014 that did well, try and refresh it next week totally. with more, you know, an additional 500 words, more, more images and infographic uh, and see how well it does again, because that's, you know, you know, I've seen that work many times with our clients where, you know, yeah. even before they start, they started working with us, they've got these, you know, blog posts that's two years old and it did well and it sort of trailed off and we went and sort of redid that blog post and sort of revamped it a little bit and it just sure. like flew off and it took off because, you know, good content is good content, but sometimes Google wants you to refresh it and bring it into 2019 or 2020 and uh, a simple refresh and some additional stuff can, uh, can go a long way. So yes, content repurposing and refreshing old content is, is golden advice guys. So do take heed of that. Courtney, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been Absolutely. really, really in insightful for me personally. Um, okay. How can our listeners find you online if they want to find you? Uh, if somebody wants to find me online, mm -hmm. um, I guess walkersands.com and my bio is on there and you can add my uh, LinkedIn from there. Or I think I'm actually LinkedIn, my uh, forward slash Courtney Beasley. There you go. Courtney, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Guys, thank you for listening to Content and Caffeine. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share it with your friends and your colleagues. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes or whichever app you're listening to us on. If you're looking for show notes, head over to wordify.co forward slash podcast. And I'll see you again next week.